Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Innistrad Midnight Hunt Crash Course. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line for the last time, as always, <laughs> is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, what's up? Uh, I'm super jazzed to do the show. For the last time, as always, makes it sound like this is my last episode of the show, which it is not. <laughs> I will just be missing next week's episode. But I'm never going to be able to say, as always, ever again. You could just lie. That would be I, fine, too. I could just lie to the listeners, yeah. The integrity of the show must remain the same. Yeah, I'm super jazzed about uh, talking about this set with you today, Ben. I got to do my full six and a half hour set review with Alex on Friday as soon as the spoiler dropped. That was really fun. There is a lot going on in this format and i think as has bore out here in terms of us like prepping for this show separately and looking at the card separately we're gonna have a lot to talk about yeah this format looks sweet there's just a lot of synergy and a lot of overlap in the synergies i am very excited yeah it looks like a really fun set so uh in, in case this is your first time tuning in for set review season with us we do things a little differently here on lords of limited we don't do a card by card set review here. So Ben and I have graded each card individually, uh, and that will be available to you where you download the show. We'll have a spreadsheet for you if you want to dive in and see all of our, our letter grades. And we do conform to the the, the classic limited resources uh, grading scale, though. I don't know, Ben, after our, our last episode, do we need to switch to candy bars? I am into it, although Hershey bars got destroyed in the poll that I put on Twitter. So if anyone's wondering, Twitter says that Reese's bars are the goat Halloween candy. Yeah, well, of the ones you put. Yes, for well, sure. But I had a write in option as well, although people are probably too lazy to write in. I definitely am. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so we, we do things a little differently here. We don't do a, a card by card review on air. What we're going to be doing is some more big picture stuff. We're going to look at how removal matches up against creatures, that sort of thing. We'll look at all the mechanics and the archetypes and tribal uh, uh, synergies and see how much support there is for those uh, those different decks. Uh, we'll look at you know sweepers, incidental life gain, mana fixing, all that good stuff, and then we'll dive into all the cards where we had different grades. So we we've graded all the cards individually and then we'll look at the ones where we have big gradation differences at least two gradations so if i gave something a b minus and ben gave it a c well we're going to talk about it most likely though those grades are reversed because i'm a big pessimistic grader and then at the end of uh, all of that we'll we'll walk through our top three commons in each color and our top two uncommons in each color so a lot to get through today first things first though we have a little bit of housekeeping we got to talk about the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited it's where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose and everybody who gives back to the show gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which is the place to be for 24-7 limited tech support and is absolutely the place to be at the start of a format. I am going to be leaning hard on the Discord and the Trophy Channel and the big picture discussions as things move and shake out in the first week of the meta while I'm overseas in Scotland and, and just trying to play on my phone. And I'm going to be gleaning uh, as much information <laughs> as I can out of the Discord. And uh, and you should be too. And if you feel like you get value out of the show, you're definitely going to get value out of the Discord when you give back via the Patreon. And of course, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold the first week that they join. And I'm going to have to bring in Ben and welcoming a whole mess of people this week. So we are welcoming three Jack Pete, Fletcher, Dev T, Hamat, Kong, Michael, Rusty, Jacob, Connor, Abbott Moondicer, Zach G, Jim, Tom, Sebastian, Jake B, Zach N, Rob, Adam, Camille, James, Elliot, Brian, Edward, Jack, Ben, and Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough for your support. Just want to reiterate, get in on the Patreon at the start of the new format. We're going to break it wide open. 
Shows also brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic-related. Right now, currently, as of Sunday, September 12th, there's a 20% off all singles going on over at channelfireball.com because the CFB Marketplace is coming out. Uh, but don't worry if you've got store credit over at Channel Fireball, that's still going to roll over to the CFB Marketplace, I believe. But... I've been thinking about for the last year or so, you know, if Paper Magic ever comes back, trying to get like a set of 10 basics of each uh, beta basic. What do you think about that? I mean, I think I won't respect you as much for going to just the <laughs> land bin at a paper event. But I mean, on the other hand, you're going to have some really sexy looking lands to play with. I don't know. It's just idly floating in my head. So we'll see if I actually pull the trigger or not. But that's rolling around in there, especially with 20% off all singles. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. In addition, Innistrad Midnight Hunt sealed products over there as well. So if you want to pick up some booster boxes to draft with friends or whatever, uh, head on over to channelfireball.com. For anything that you purchase over there, please make sure you use code LOL when you check out to let them know that we sent you there. I just want to say again how awesome it has been partnering with Channel Fireball. It really feels like we're a part of their organization, and I appreciate that a lot. And we want to make sure that, you know, since they're including us, we want you to include them in all your shopping for Channel Fireball. I love that. That's so wholesome, Ben. What a wholesome (laughs) message to throw out there. All right, let's dive into the stats, baby. Uh, First thing we're going to look at is sort of creature power toughness and mana value and how that matches up to the removal. And this was actually particularly difficult to do because so many creatures have two sides. So it was hard to know, like, you know, I only counted the front side most of the time. Um, and so we may not get a, a holistic or a, as much of a, you know, big picture idea as as possible. But, you know, the creature power and toughness here is going to be a lot smaller than normal because of that, right? Because you're going to have, you know, your werewolves are going to have small power and toughness on one side, but then large on the other side. And so I didn't know if I was like supposed to take the average of the two or whatever. So there was some some tough stuff in terms of figuring out the stats here. So average creature power toughness was 2.32 slash 2.56, which is about a quarter of a power and toughness less each than it was for the creature sizing in AFR. And that is front sides only, correct? Front sides only for that power and toughness, correct. And then we want to take a look at how the removal matches up against those creatures, you know, both converted mana cost wise and in the terms of damage it's dealing for each removal spell and like what percentage of the creatures it's going to kill. So big picture overall, the average mana value for our removal spells is 2.36, which is pretty darn cheap. AFR had some good removal and the average there was 2.74, so almost a half a mana less per removal spell. There is some darn good removal in Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Yeah, very efficient removal and the average creature mana value is almost exactly 3. It's 3.02 and in AFR it was 3.32. So again, we're getting a creature reduction in terms of the mana value in this set. So everything sort of bumped down a little bit here. But pretty positive that the removal matches up that favorably against the creatures. That is a spicy difference. So 0.7 mana value cheaper on average for removal than it's going to cost to cast a creature. Yeah. And so now let's take a look at we can sort of move up the toughness scale and we'll look at what number or percentage does specific removal hit. So there are 100 total creatures at common and uncommon. Plus, there are two artifacts that flip into creatures. Those I did not count here. And like I said, it's hard to take into account all creature sizing here given werewolves and disturb and ETB effects, right? How do you count? There's a lot of creatures that like there's an 04 that brings a 1-1 or a 3-3 that brings a 1-1. And I just it took those stats on face value here. So, you know, we'll we're fudging things a little bit. But if we look at X1s, there's really only one removal spell that deals with one toughness creature specifically, and that's Neonate's Rush, two in red for an instant. This spell costs one less to cast if you control a vampire, and it deals one damage to target creature and one damage to its controller, and you draw a card. 
And not only that, but you want to look out for other ways to punish X1s like tokens or 1-1s with ETBs or like there's, you know, one in a black for a 1-2 that when it dies, you draw a card, lose a life. So there are other non like straight up ways to punish X1s, but we've got quite a few creatures whose front side has one toughness, 23 out of the 100 total creatures. Wow. So are you thinking you're going to main deck a Neonates Rush? I don't know. I mean, it is also very synergistic in a red black deck. I do feel like in a red black deck, a Neonates Rush doesn't look embarrassing outside of that. I, it's tough to say so far for me. Right. That makes sense. Moving on up to X2s, we have 29 creatures with toughness 2, which brings us up to a total of half the creatures in the format, essentially, that these cards are going to interact with. So first up, we've got Olivia's Midnight Ambush. This is a primo removal spell. One in a black for an instant. Target creature gets minus 2, minus 2 until end of turn. If it's night, that creature gets minus 13, minus 13 instead. So half the time, this is just going to kill what you want to kill. It kills half the creatures in the format. And then a lot of the biggest threats, you know, the werewolves that get out of control at night, this is also going to kill at night. I really like this card. Yeah, for sure. Red has a ton of ways to deal two damage as well or deal with two toughness creatures. There's play with fire, which is an uncommon single red instant deals two damage to any target. If a player is dealt damage, this way you scry one. There's also immolation, which is a throwback card. This is red for an enchantment. Enchanted creature gets plus two, minus two. And then one of the red white signposts is like a baby lightning helix. It's red white for a deal two, you gain two, and then has flashback for four red white. Aww. <laughs> so lots of ways to deal uh, damage to two toughness or one toughness creatures. So, you know, and this is always a big question, right? I feel like this is about the, you know, the, the trend we've seen for the past few sets is about half the creatures at common or uncommon, and we should say that, you know, we haven't didn't actually give that disclaimer. All the like percentages that we're looking at, all the cards we're looking at, mostly except for maybe the sweepers, we're only talking about commons or uncommons, because that's just the meat and potatoes of the limited decks, right? Um, that's the stuff that we really want to focus on. And we, we I feel like this is the trend, right? A shock or the, whatever the deal to the frostbite in Caldheim is gonna deal with about half the creatures. And sometimes that's awesome, and sometimes that's not super impactful. Yeah, it just depends on how aggressive those creatures are and how good those cheap creatures are pushed so moving on up to x3s we've got 25 creatures with toughness 3 and 77 total creatures with toughness 3 or less so essentially 75 percent of the creatures um, and we've got a couple red burn spells that deal with those first up is moonrager slash this is another very powerful removal spell two in red for an instant costs two less to cast if it's night and it deals three damage to any target so at nighttime straight up lightning bolt baby yeah have you, you well but you've heard the nickname for this yet i have not lightning bolt Oh, no. <laughs> it's not horrible, right? It's horrible. It's the terrible. other, uh, <laughs> The other deal three is Silverbolt. This is a single mana for an artifact. Three tap, sack it. It deals three damage to target creature. If a werewolf is dealt damage this way, destroy it. That's pretty darn powerful. Yeah, very good. I mean, it's, it's flexible. It's going to go in any deck. And just the upside of nabbing werewolves is pretty strong. That's an efficient rate. Right. I mean, because like most of the things that get out of range of this, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say most, but a lot of things that might get out of range of this are going to be werewolves at, at common or uncommon. And then this also kills those. So that's pretty good. And there's one last spell to take a look at here, which is cathartic pyre, one in a red instant. Choose one. It deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker, or you can discard up to two cards and draw that many cards. And that's an uncommon. Most of the time you're going to be killing something, but who knows in a pinch if you don't have a target and you've got some lands to pitch at the end of the game. Nice having that flexibility there. 
Yeah, for sure. Moving on up to X4s. There's nothing that specifically targets four. We do have a white spell that targets things with four or greater, though. So uh, prior to getting into that card, we've got 15 creatures with toughness four, which brings us up to 92 of the total creatures. But again, this is this spell is only four or greater. So this is going to hit about a quarter of the creatures in the format. Yeah, uh, we I can jump ahead down the show notes to other. Sungold Barrage has 32 potential targets of the 100 creatures front and back. So that's counting. Some of them will only be hitting the backside when they flip, but that's 32 potential targets out of all those 100 creatures. And so we've sort of buried the lead here. Sun Gold Barrage is tuna white instant destroy target creature with toughness four or greater. And so that's going to hit about a third of the creatures. That's probably not main deckable if that's including front and backsides, right? Yeah, it's tough, though, because I mean, we'll get to this later. White doesn't have a lot of removal, really. So it's uh, it's a little rough there for white. So you might have to run it. I don't know. But yeah, I think I'm hoping to not main deck this. We move on up the curve here to five toughness. That brings us to burn the accursed four in a red for an instant. Burn the accursed deals five damage to target creature and two damage to that creature's controller. If it would die this turn, exile it instead. Exile quite relevant in this format. Um, so that's basically just like ferret as fireball if you roll a 10 or higher. Um, there's only four creatures with toughness five, which brings us up to 96 total. Um, so it's, you know, effectively going to kill every common or uncommon in the set yeah pretty spicy i mean that's a little more than you'd want to pay for your removal spell but good to know that it's getting most things dead yeah and that it's you know you get that incidental two damage that often felt relevant with uh, the fireball in afr and then rounding things out there are a few x6s we have three creatures with toughness six and no removal spells specifically that are targeted at things with that toughness no but there are some you know black has a couple catch-all removal spells um you know blue has a claustrophobia variant that we'll get to in a little bit so you know green has some uh, a fight spell and a bite spell so you know ways to deal with those creatures for sure uh, a couple other like sort of niche things we wanted to look at one card is defenestrate this is the tuna black common instant spell that destroys a creature without flying um, there are 23 total creatures that have flying on one or more sides so it misses about a quarter of the creatures in the set yeah and those some of those are going to be the ones you really want to kill right that's what you keep saying, but I don't know. I think the werewolves are also cards you want to kill. Yes, I agree for sure. But so of those three primo black removal spells, I think this is in third place for me. Yeah, for me right now, I have it in second, but we're sort of we're spoiling. We're, we're jumping ahead, Ben. We don't need to do that. <laughs> Another removal spell that we were talking about a little bit last week uh, was foul play. This is the one on a black sorcery. You destroy a creature with power two or less, and then you get to investigate. So you make a clue token, which is an artifact token that you can pay to tap sack it to draw a card. This hits a lot of creatures, Ben. 66 total with power two on one or more of their sides. That is big game. I think this card is going to be very good, and you're playing as many copies as you will get. Yeah. And then lastly, here we've got Thraben Exorcism. This is one on a white for an instant. Exile target spirit, creature with disturb, or enchantment. So I wanted to see, well, how relevant is this going to be? Well, there's 10 enchantments total, and then there's 10 disturbed creatures. All the disturbed creatures are also spirits on their backside, and then there are five other spirits that are non-disturbed. This doesn't hit a lot of relevant stuff, in my opinion. I think this misses too often to be a main deck card. All right, put it in the sideboard. Yeah. So just taking a big picture look at the removal, there's 22 total removal spells at common and uncommon. In comparison, Adventures in Forgotten Realms had 19, but that's not a crazy unique amount of removal spells. That's pretty par for the course. Yeah, we usually see high teens, low 20s here. And the average cost of those, as we said earlier, is 2.36, but I just want to hammer home again 
how efficient most of this removal is. Yeah, for sure. Especially, I mean, especially in black and red, um, you know, a lot of it is weighted towards commons. We have 14 at common and eight at uncommon and some noteworthy things about it. Well, this isn't super noteworthy, right? Red and black taking the lion's share as usual, 11 out of the 22 removal spells, but they're really good, especially in black. I think for me, I think all of my top common and uncommons were removal spells in black and red sort of nipping at the, the heels there as well. On the flip side, white not really getting any good removal. It has the bad pacifism in Candle Trap that we'll talk about, and it doesn't end up getting one of the like, you know, deal X to attacking or blocking creatures as it's used to getting. Blue in a similar boat to white, but a little bit better of a spot. Uh, it has the one claustrophobia effect in Locked in a Cemetery. That's the one in a blue. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. And then if you have five or more cards in your graveyard, you tap the creature when uh, Locked in the Cemetery enters the battlefield. It also has a Griptide variant. Revenge of the Drowned. Three and a blue, an instant. Target creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. You create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, I think th- I want to take a pause here because I did count this as removal because this is actually removal, even though I think this gets lumped into like, oh, it's a bounce spell. But like the way to wrap your head around this is you are one for oneing with the creature, right? You are removing it from the battlefield. Your opponent gets to choose whether it's on top or bottom. And if they put it on top, it's as if you just killed that creature and then they just drew another copy of it next turn. But it is actually blue removal right because you're blanking their draw step exactly green gets a fight spell at common and a bite spell at uncommon in uh, clear shot and there's that colorless removal spell in silver bolt so uh quite a bit there and then some stuff that we didn't count towards this a lot of this is blue but we didn't count counter spells and i don't think we counted this in either like our combat trick section or our removal spell section it's just sort of something different blue has two common counter spells flip the switch is a three mana counter spell counters a spell unless they pay four and then you make a decayed zombie token and and there's devious cover-up then loop de loops coming back yeah that's the two blue blue counter target spell and then you can put up to five target cards from your graveyard back into your library four target cards but yeah yeah definitely get to get two of those copies and loop them together and then dissipate we talked about last week it's a reprint one blue blue counter a thing and uh you exile it instead if it would go to the graveyard there's also some bounce spells what's going on there oh well there's geist wave one in a blue instant return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand if you controlled that permanent draw a card and then there's also Fading Hope, which is a single blue bounce a thing. And if its mana value was three or less, you get to scry one. Yeah, those are both fine cards. I mean, bounce, I think we've seen has not been primo for quite a while, but it's fine, including a copy in your deck. Yeah, I think Geist Wave specifically is intriguing to me with uh, how it interacts with Disturb. And so like if you want to bounce something from your opponent, you know, if they're going for a, you could blow them out if they're going for their fight spell, if they're in green or whatever, or, you know, I don't know, returning something if they're using a combat trick, which doesn't happen that often um, but then the fact that you can rebuy your disturb cards when they're on their backside and then cantrip and then replay them on their front side that's a lot of value that i'm looking forward to to trying to eke out for sure and if we take a look at green we've got plummet destroy target creature with flying that wasn't included in the removal and we've also got nature's way as kind of a, a prototypical sideboard card blowing up artifacts and enchantments yeah and i imagine the exile a thing from a graveyard coming up in this format with flashback and disturb but you're still not main decking that, right? No, 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 no. I don't think so. 
So we'll move on to looking at keyword and archetype support. A lot going on here in this category. First up, we were going to look at daybound and nightbound. And Ben, I think we have to atone for some sins from last week. <laughs> yes, us and LR. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I think just the harder or the more entrenched you were with playing with werewolves from original Innistrad, I think the harder it is for us to wrap our head around this day night thing. Um, but we we sort of beefed it a little bit last week, talking about you know the white cards that say like you know or like any cards that come into play and say if it's neither night nor day, it becomes night day when it comes into play well that has you tracking day night for the rest of the game and we sort of said well you needed something that that could flip to keep tracking it and that wasn't true so our apologies there right and even if you had a werewolf for example that was day bound and then it got killed like once you start tracking day and night it's going for the rest of the game. Exactly. So Daybound and Nightbound, and this is also going to be lumped in when we look at werewolves um, a little bit later, but there are 13 total creatures with Daybound and Nightbound, um, five in red, five in green, two in black, and one in red-green. So this is is primarily the werewolf thing. And then there are these non-werewolf creatures that cause it to become day and then care about it swapping back and forth. There are seven total creatures that do that, and that's two white, two red, two blue, and one red white. And this is, I think, ostensibly what red white is seemingly trying to do, question mark. And are these going to be good sideboard cards against your werewolf opponents? Like, are you just going to play them and, you know, they're going to be way better if you're playing against a werewolf person? Because they're also going to be incentivized to be flipping? I don't know. I they They seem too small potatoes to me. Like, I'm like, oh, cool, it flipped tonight, and now I get to put a plus and plus one counter on something. That's like the red-white signpost on common creature does that when it flips back and forth. Well, my opponent's like getting these large monsters instead. Like, that's way better, right? I, I don't know how to... I don't quite know how to understand those like small incremental value things that are happening in the red white cards, but I definitely understand, you know, creature turns into larger creature and, and the threat of getting to just play them on the, the nightbound side when it's night is is quite uh, potent as well. I'll tell you what I'm excited for. I want to see what Arena does when it changes from day to night. It seems like there's some Ooh. cool design space there. Moving on to our next keyword, we've got Coven, uh, which is the thing that cares about you having three creatures with different powers on the battlefield. Uh, there are 13 total cards with a text Coven. Nine of them are creatures, three instants, one aura, and they're all green and white. So that is what green-white as a color pair cares about. And you want to be on the lookout for cards that make multiple bodies, right? Like we've talked about there's a three-mana 0-4 that makes a 1-1 when it comes into play, or the four-mana 3-3 in white that makes a 1-1 when it comes into play, or cards that can distribute plus and plus one counters, or that make unique powers like zero one or four like i think two power and three power is going to be easy to come by and then getting that third one to unlock coven i think will be the, the more difficult thing but i'm excited for this mechanic yeah and they've planted lots of those types of cards in green and white i think you just got to make sure you pay attention and include them in your deck yeah, exactly. Another thing we're looking at is Graveyard. There's a lot of stuff that interacts with the Graveyard. First up, we'll look at Disturb. This is sort of the like flashback variant for creatures. Uh, actually, I'm surprised that Common or Uncommon, only 10 total creatures with Disturb, one in black, and then the rest are in blue-white. So this is very much what blue-white as a color pair is trying to do. And as we mentioned before, when we looked at that removal spell, all Disturb flip sides, all the back sides of the Disturb creatures are spirits. That's crazy to me, because when I was reading the spoiler, it felt like every other their card had disturb i know no it's just, i mean they're all good i think but it, they, there's not that many of them in addition to disturb we've also just got straight up flashback for your spells there's 24 total cards with flashback one for each color pair in those signpost uncommons along with the signpost creature and then green gets the lion's share with five past that there's three red three blue two black and one white but all of the colors get a nice 
smattering of flashback. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how many ways there are truly to fuel the graveyard. But I'll have to say right now, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of self-mill. And so I wonder if the cards that do that, that do have the incidental, like put the things into the graveyard as well, are going to be super valuable because that's how you get to sort of use the graveyard as a resource and, and gain card advantage that way by just incidentally milling a disturbed card or a flashback card, things like that. Right. It does seem like there's some rummaging going on as well as things that are like, look at the top three, pick one, put the other two in your graveyard, that sort of thing. But again, not as many, maybe as many as we saw in original Innistrad. Mm -hmm. Next up, we're going to take a look at the tribal things that are going on. So first tribe is zombies. There's 10 total zombies. One of them is black green and the rest are blue black. And blue black is definitely zombies and decayed zombie tokens. So the blue black signpost uncommon, zombie lord that gives all zombies plus one plus oh. And then decayed tokens, I think you and I are both super stoked about this mechanic they work with everything in the format yeah I, I just like every other card that alex and i looked at in the set review i was like oh this works with decayed oh and this works with decayed like he, and he had this great thing so for anyone who didn't watch the set review or listen to it on the limited level ups podcast feed a alex's use of equating decayed tokens to energy i thought was super smart just like thinking of it as these tokens as additional resources and whether that's going to be as you know you know that they're going to die and there's a lot of stuff in the format that cares about creatures dying that turn. There's, you know, lots of ways to just, you know, some cards care about just having bodies to tap as we talked about last week. There is just like straight up zombies existing or sack fodder that you want for the black white theme. Like I think these, these decayed tokens are going to be incredibly relevant. And I, my guess is incredibly underrated at the start of the format. And if you missed that set review, speaking of Alex, Alex is going to be our guest next week when Ethan is gallivanting off in Europe. <laughs> yeah, very excited for that. Next tribe we're going to look at is vampires. There's 11 total, all in red, black. And as we talked about last week, the, the vampire theme here, not only of just, you know, being tribal and like the signpost uncommon, being able to buff, buff vampires is this like caring about damage being dealt to your opponent to get bonuses. And so you want to look for, you know, evasion or other ways to deal damage outside of combat to trigger those so that if things happen to get stonewalled in combat, you can still potentially continue to get those bonuses as the game progresses. And then last tribe is werewolves. There's 13 of those in total. And as mentioned before, they all have daybound, nightbound. So there's four wolves. Three of those are green. One of them is red. There's one werewolf slash wolf lord, and that's the red green signpost uncommon. And there's also village watch, which is a card that can give all of your wolves and werewolves haste. And I think a fair bit of support for wolves and werewolves, and that's definitely going to be red green as a color pair. And then rounding out the color pair themes, the other ones to look at black, white sacrifice. Flesh Taker as the signpost uncommon is the only repeatable sack outlet at common or uncommon. That's the, the white black for a 2-2 human assassin. Whenever you sack another creature, you gain one life and scry one. And you can pay one to sack another creature to give it plus two, plus two until end of turn. Another thing to use your decayed tokens for. There's also several other one-shot sacrifice outlets. So the other gold signpost uncommon is Rite of Oblivion. That's white black for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast a spell, sack a non-land permanent. And then you get to exile target non-land permanent. And it also has flashback. That card's nuts. And then there's also Eaten Alive. This is the third of those like really good black removal spells at common. Single black for a sorcery. Exile target creature or planeswalker as an additional cost to cast this. You either sack a creature or pay three in a black. So either five mana sorcery, exile a thing, or one sack a thing to exile another creature. And we talked about this a bit last week, but blue-red definitely has spells going on. So this is very much going to be an A plus B archetype. You know, you want your A's, your cards that care about spells, and then your B's, you know, you want your 
actual spells that are going to go to the graveyard or cards with flashback and especially cards that cantrip like consider pretty excited about this one it's single blue for an instant look at the top card of your library you may put that card into your graveyard and then draw a card it's just going to be an insanely good glue piece i think for any blue deck just like fueling your graveyard in your blue black or your blue green decks and like triggering your cantrip stuff or getting a disturbed card in the yard like yeah i think consider is going to be great And so in this archetype, there's nine cards that care about instants and sorceries being cast or going to the graveyard, what have you. Four of them are super powerful. First of those is Flame Channeler. It's one in red for a 2-2. Whenever a spell you control deals damage, you transform it. And then on the flip side, you get Embodiment of Flame, which is a 3-3. And whenever a spell you control deals damage, you put a Flame Counter on it. And you can pay one, take a Flame Counter off it to exile the top card of your library and be able to play that card this turn. So essentially turns all your damage removal spells into two-for-ones potentially. Yeah, this is it feels like it's not fair for you putting it here because I don't actually think this card like I was high on this card. Alex sort of talked me off the ledge because how many cards are you going to have that deal damage in your decks? It's hard to get a lot. I'm planning on playing all of the neonates rushes, baby. All the neonates rushes. Wow. OK, that's a hot take. That's how you get them, I guess. <laughs> no. Um, One guard you don't have highlighted here is the Ardent Elementalist. I love this. This is our like arcane answer of the format. This is three in a red for two one when ETBs you can return an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. That card, I think, is just going to be fantastic in this format yeah very powerful especially with the removal in black holy cow red black yeah for sure yeah do we have another red black s tier deck on our hands we'll have to wait and see we've also got the blue red signpost uncommon in storm screelix this is three blue red for a two four flyer incident sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast whenever you cast an incident or sorcery spell it gets plus two plus O until end of turn so you kind of get the gist here like basically you want to have a bunch of instants and sorceries some of these premium enablers churn through your deck with your instants and sorceries and get the opponent dead moving on to the mana fixing glory glory hallelujah uh normal fixing has been restored in this format it is colorless (laughs) back to order it is green and then there's a blue green one so uh there's some like random i mean my mind sort of junky colorless cards evolving wilds is in the format that's basically your only land fixer at common or uncommon so that's the land that uh, lets you tap sack it search your library for a basic land put it into play tapped then shuffle there's also a cool variant on a scarecrow that we saw from uh, eldraine so this is crossroads candle guide four mana for a three four those are some stats that i respect these days when etbs you exile up to one target card from a graveyard could be really uh impactful you know just sort of like incidental value there and it double filters pay two mana to add one mana of any one color so it's not like you know incredibly efficient or anything but is colorless fixing and then green gets a handful of ways to fix as well yeah you've got path to the festival two and a green for a sorcery search your library for a basic land card put that card on the battlefield tap then shuffle if there are three or more basic land types among the lands you control you scry one and then it also has flashback for four and a green yeah and dawn heart rejuvenator is here three and a green for a two four when it ECBs, you gain three life and it taps to add one mana of any color. And so some some signals here or some some clues here to potential a five color green deck here. But I do think it's going to have to be based in green uh, with those two cards. Moving on to incidental life gain. This is something, you know, maybe can point to the speed of the format. You know, generally, the more incidental life gain there is floating around, the more difficult it's going to be for aggro to you know, get the opponent dead, as it were. Uh, but there's 11 total cards that have gain life tacked onto them. Most of them are fairly small, just one or two bursts of life. Yeah, and it looks like black white might have a bit of a sub theme or be able to grind well in this respect with like, you know, some some value engines 
gains and then also some incidental life gain thinking about the flesh taker that we talked about or you know something like lunark veteran which is the one mana one one uh whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control you gain a life it has disturbed for one and a white becomes a one one flyer and has the reverse text whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield you gain one life or something like that baby lightning helix sacred fire with flashback so you know it doesn't look like there's an absurd amount of life gain here and i do think aggro the attacking mechanics are pretty pushed but there's also just really cool dirtily things going on just at first glance it looks like a very well balanced format that's what i think but we we shall see sweepers though wah wah there are a bunch of sweepers so beware when you're committing to the board with coven i'd be worried about getting swept first up we've got vanquish the horde it's six white white for a sorcery destroy all creatures and the spell costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield yeah i think the only saving grace about that card is like white looks like it's mostly aggressive it does not look like it plays a very good controlling game so maybe that card won't be super desirable but the next card is what a wild card this is burn down the house three red red for a sorcery choose one burn down the house deals five damage to each creature and each planeswalker or if you're ahead on board and don't want a wrath, create three 1-1 one, one red devil creature tokens with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target and they gain haste until end of turn. Why is this a magic card? <laughs> I don't know. This card is a brutal. I am going to feel this is one of the biggest grown test cards, I think, for this format. For sure. Next up, we've got the Meat Hook Massacre, which also, if you're Gabby, you see a monkey hanging (laughs) in this art she posted on Twitter. I cannot unsee that now. (laughs) Uh, This is Black Black X for Legendary Enchantment Mythic Rare. When the Meat Hook Massacre enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. And whenever a creature an opponent control dies, you gain one life. Yeah, so it's kind of like a you know, it's a wrath or a modal wrath and then leaves behind like a blood artist type enchantment. Yeah, very strong. And then the last sweeper we have is or pseudo sweepers bloodline culling one black black for an instant at rare choose one target creature gets minus five minus five until end of turn or creature tokens get minus two minus two until end of turn. So just ruin Ethan's and Ben's decayed fun is what that second (laughs) line of text says. Yep. Moving on to mana sinks, we always want to check this out because the more mana sinks there are, generally, you know, you're not going to run out of things to do, which points to a better limited format. But also just, you know, one of the reasons we started tracking this was original uh, Ixalan, and there just were not a lot of mana sinks there, which was one of the things that, you know, made that format kind of weird the way that it was, you know, very aggressive cards like one with the wind being good. But don't worry, there are no shortages of mana sinks in Midnight Hunt. So there's four big categories that are kind of just built into the mechanics. So Disturb is a place to put your mana. Flashback is a place to put your mana. The wolves and werewolves, a lot of them have activated abilities as places to put your mana when you're, you know, potentially passing the turn so that your werewolves flip and it becomes night but then you can still spend your mana on an activated ability or something. And then there's a minor amount of investigating, which makes clue tokens, you know, that you can crack to draw cards. But just the mechanics of the format point to mana sinks and places to put your mana. Yeah, uh, this is a very, very delayed comment here, but I do want to bring this up as well in terms of, I think, what we missed on Daybound, Nightbound, or Day Night last week. And to clarify it this week, something that, you know, old school werewolf players will remember is, you know, you could get burned on trying to pass the turn to let it flip. And then like end of turn, your opponent would go, oh, I'll cast think twice or whatever. And that would just like ruin the thing because flipping mattered if anybody cast a spell. Day night only matters if the active player does it. So if you want it to flip tonight, 
it will flip, right? If you want to pass and do nothing and get it to flip, it's going to flip. Yes, that's very important as well. Um, and then you've got you know a handful of, of repeatable mana sinks here, maybe to, to keep an eye on here. First up, I love this little guy, Gavany Trapper, single white for an O2 human soldier, and you can pay two tap to tap target creature. There's also a card I really like in Drown Yard Amalgam that is not yeah. actually that good, but it appeals to me greatly as a magic player. Uh, it's four and a blue for a three six when ETBs target player mills three cards. Generally, you'll want to target yourself with that effect, right? To put flashback or disturb cards in your graveyard and just not give your opponent those, even if you don't have any in your deck. And then also two and a blue activated ability. Drown Yard Amalgam can't be blocked this turn. This is some good stats, good finisher, good enabler. I think it does a lot of small things. Yeah, this card is great. What do you mean it's not very good? Is it not very good? Oh, that's good because I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, this card is awesome, I think. Yeah, this is like very hard to kill as we saw from our removal breakdown, like outside of black. And it's like it fuels your stuff, stabilizes you. And then if you're stable beyond this, this is also a like a way to win the game. I love this card. Yeah, I loved Ashiok, Skulker, and War of the Spark. And this is just a much better version of that card. Yeah, a couple uh, Mana Sinky artifacts here. I'm not convinced about this one. Maybe, maybe we'll argue about this now. This is Mysterious Tome. Two and a blue for an artifact. Two tap. Draw a card, transform Mysterious Tome, and it flips into Chilling Chronicle, which is an artifact. One tap, tap target non-land permanent, transform Chilling Chronicle. So basically every other turn, if you want to, you draw a card, and then it's Icy Manipulator, and then it's back to drawing a card, and then back to Icy Manipulator. Not even Icy, because it can't tap lands. Right. I, I think the thing to be aware of is that this card is a fine place to put your mana, like those are good effects for limited magic, but you're not always going to have the one that you want, which is a pretty significant drawback. So basically, you need to be like fairly comfy for this to be a good card. And even then, like it's just fine. Like you'll be including this in your control decks, I think, but it's not a premium card. And I think it's easy to think like this is an icy manipulator plus drawing me cards, but it's actually just worse than either of those two cards individually because you're only going to need one effect or the other probably yeah yeah i don't like that card very much i do like this next card very much though yeah this is heirloom mirror one in a black for an artifact one tap pay one life and you discard a card to draw a card mill a card and then put a ritual counter on heirloom mirror but essentially you're rummaging milling a card and then trying to get counters on this once it gets three counters it transforms into a beast of a card an inherited fiend 4-4 four, four flying demon and you can pay two and a black exile target creature card from a graveyard put a plus one plus one counter on it yeah and the last one you have up here is famished foragers three and a red for a four three vampire when etbs if an opponent lost life this turn add triple red but you can also just dump that mana in here to two and a red discard a card draw a card yeah that card is super good i think it's going to stack really well in multiples in red aggressive decks i like that card a lot last thing we'll look at here before we dive into the grading scale is flying and flying hate so as we mentioned sort of before with defenestrate there are 11 creatures total with flying 12 that gain flying this is concentrated in blue white with those disturbed spirits what's the breakdown here in terms of colors so there's two white creatures with flying and then six that can gain with disturbed backsides. There's five blue creatures that have straight up flying and then three blue ones that can gain flying on disturbed backsides. Two black creatures that have straight up flying and then two that can gain it through disturb or one that flips. That's the, the heirloom demon. Um, and then in red, you've got purifying dragon, which is a sweet one. It's three red red for a four three dragon with flying and whatever it attacks, it deals one damage to creature defending player controls. And as we saw, there are a fair amount of X ones. 
And if that creature is a zombie, Purifying Dragon deals two damage into it instead, so it can mow down decayed tokens as well. And then two gold cards, the blue-white signpost in Devoted Graph Keeper that gains Flying Undisturbed, and Storm Screelix, that's the blue-red dragon we talked about before as well. Yeah, so a lot of flying running around, and then there is some flying hate, as we mentioned earlier, Plummet is in the format, and then there's three cards with reach, all of them are green. I think we're only going to have 49 takes this time. Wow, that's savage. No no hilarious jokes for us. There's a Bird <laughs> Admirer. It's two and a green for a one four human archer werewolf with reach. That's its day bound side. Its night bound side is a three five with reach. We've also got bounding wolf. That's two and a green for a three two with flash and it has reach. And then brood weaver, which is a heck of a card. We have penumbra spider at home. They said this is three and a green for a two four <laughs> spider with reach. And when brood weaver dies, you create a one two green spider creature token with reach. Even though this is a nerfed penumbra spider, this is still very good. Yeah, it's still going to be super annoying. All right, that's going to bring us to our grading scale here. Like I said, we use the LR, A through F grading scale with a couple of variations. Uh, so we'll we'll go through what that means before diving into our grade differences. First up, we're looking at A's. These are bombs, game winners, good in many situations, especially when behind. These are the best cards in the set, bomb rares, and even sometimes hyper-efficient removal spells. So you think Think about Lolth, Spider Queen, Meteor Swarm, which I still have nightmares about, or Xanathar, Guild Kingpin from AFR. Yeah, rest in peace, Lords of Limited Team Draft. <laughs> We've got Bees, which are strong cards that pull you into color, make you want to play that color, or reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors. They're some of the very best commons and good uncommons in the set. Thinking cards like Battlecry Goblin, Grim Bounty, Dragon's Fire, or Plate Armor. Your Cs are your solid playables. These are the meat and potatoes of a limited deck, very interchangeable, average creatures, normal removal spells. Think of like Circle of the Moon Druid, Clever Conjurer, Ferritus Fireball. Your Ds are your sometimes playable below average 22nd 23rd type cards thinking things like gloomstalker manticore or neverwinter dryad f's are unplayables cards you should never put in your deck these are often like weird rares or just junk commons bard class sorcerer class or mimic from afr We've also got some other niche grades, which are sideboard cards, cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in can be quite good. Things like Plummet or you find a Cursed Idol. Build around cards are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be good to great. They sort of like warp your pick order in a way. So like Teleportation Circle, Black Staff of Waterdeep, or my boy Oswald Fiddlebender. Lastly, we've got Synergy cards, which are cards that are not quite good enough to Lastly, we've got synergy cards, which are cards that are not quite good enough to build around, but they do provide good synergy if they're placed in the right deck. Things like Price of Loyalty or Ingenious Smith. All right. Well, let's let's get right into it. This is this is one of my favorite things that we have to do. So we graded the cards separately. We haven't talked about them yet, but we're going to dive in first up looking at uh, some white commons here. First card is Hedge Witch's Mask. This is a single white for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. Equipped creature can't be blocked by creatures with power four or greater. And the equip cost is two. So I gave this a D, you gave this a C minus. Don't need to get into the weeds too much here, but I'm, I'm surprised that you even like this as, as higher than filler. Yeah, I think this card can be kind of awkward, right? The equip cost is reasonable at two mana, and then if you put this on a 3-3, three, three, they can never trade with it in combat, right? That's a really awkward card to interact with. I mean, they can double block it with two 3-3s three, or a 3-3 three, three and a 2-2. Two, two. They could, but then, you know, potentially you're two for wanting them. If you get it on a 4-4 four, four and you've got a 5-5, five, five, I don't know. I think this just can make your opponent's life fairly awkward in combat. I mean, I don't think it's 
it's a premium card, but it seems playable. It's also a way to change the power and toughness of your creatures for Coven. You know, you've you've got two twos and a three three. You know, maybe you get it on one of those and you get a different power toughness going on there. I think it right. does some small enough things that it might be playable. Yeah, I, I I recognize that Coven is the joke here. That's why I like that's what it's, I think, trying to do. I just feel like the equip cost of two for just plus one plus one is too steep for me. But maybe I'm wrong. All right. Fair enough. Next up, we've got Homestead Courage. This is white for a sorcery. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. It gains vigilance until end of turn. And then it has flashback for a white. You give us a B minus. I give us a C. Yeah, I mean, B minus might be aggro here. Maybe this is too much of a hot take or whatever. You did the set review with Alex. That was the problem. I did the set review with Alex. He did talk <laughs> me up to B minus. But I'm like, you know, guiding voice. Changed my tune on this. This feels like a mini travel prep to me. It's like, you know, I don't know, road trip preparations or something like this is the fact that it gives it vigilance too makes it really hard to race like the turn that you do this i think just like going two drop three drop and then setting this up is gonna make you know that's gonna close out a lot of games i think this feels like travel preparations to me but it's half of travel preparations right yeah i mean yes this is a good card pulling you into a white seems like a stretch like i would go synergy c plus like that's that seems more like the spot to me like you're gonna play this in your white green aggressive decks for sure but i don't think you're going after it that hard i think this yeah my my hot one of my many hot takes for today is that i think this is like one of the things that is going to make white which i think mostly just wants to be aggressive i think all the white aggressive i think all the white color pairs are trying to be aggressive i think this is going to make all those decks sing i think it's going to be a good role player in those decks i don't think it pulls you in though all right next up all right we, i guess we're, we're just arguing about this right off the bat here we have the lunark veteran this is the the disturbed creature single white one one whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control you gain a life and its disturbed side is one and a white for a one one flyer whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield you gain a life i gave this a c plus you gave this a c minus yeah and we're reversing the usual trend of you being way more pessimistic than me i think i was really grouchy when i was grading cards <laughs> i'm lower than you on a lot of these <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah i was I, I was like i guess a little jazzed i don't know i like um i do think this on it was really hard for me to grade disturb cards like lower than a c plus because they all just felt like two for ones now this is about as close to not a two for one right because a one mana one one gen is really not worth a card but this is like basically just doomed traveler with upside like yes you have to pay for the backside but this is just doom traveler it's good yeah i agree I, c minus is probably too low it's probably a c c plus seems a little aggressive to me well what you would just grade doom traveler uh see i think so yeah I, th- I think it's a little better than that i don't know i think the fact that it's disturbed so it's synergistic with graveyard stuff it's a one power thing which i think is going to be good for coven and it's sack st- fodder for um black white i feel like it just does enough with all the different things i'm i'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with c plus here cool moving on to our next card we've got sunset revelry this is one and a white for a sorcery if an opponent has more life than you you gain four life if an opponent controls more creatures than you, you make two one one white human creature tokens. And if an opponent has more cards in hand than you, you draw a card. You gave this a sideboard grade. I gave this a C. Yeah, I think this card is not very good. Like, I think maybe if you're you find yourself on the draw in a, a matchup where you think you can't be the aggressor, then maybe you bring this in. But I don't think most white decks want to start with this. 
well, it's just not aggressive, right? So your aggressive white decks don't want this card, but it's playable. It's fine in a white controlling deck, right? Like you really value making two tokens and four life when you're behind. Yes. No, I definitely would value that for sure. So and I mean, like, you know, I think white blue, like this is just going to be a fine playable. I don't anticipate white blue being a control deck. With Disturb? You don't think it's going to be grinding people out? I don't. Not like this. I think it's grinding people out with its Disturb cards. I don't think it cares about a card like this. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but like partially because white blue doesn't really have removal i feel like it can't be that <laughs> controlling like yeah, it's fair. gotta be aggressive so i don't know fair, maybe that's fair. wrong uh next up we've got cathar's call here we got two and a white for an aura at uncommon enchanted creature has vigilance even though the artwork would suggest it has flying and at the beginning <laughs> of your end step create a one one white human creature token i gave this a d you gave this a c yeah i'm probably too high on this card i just love cards like this <laughs> like vigilance as a limited mechanic you know you clog the board up you're getting your value it's kind of like a little planeswalker you're definitely at risk of getting two for one with this card but i'm probably too high but i do like this card quite a bit okay maybe this is a do as i say not as i do yeah I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be casting i'm gonna be calling cathar up on the old telephone okay but then you can't get mad when your black opponents or your red opponents like kill your creature every time no i'll be okay i'll handle okay it. All right. Next up, we've got Loyal Griff. This is two and a white for a 2-2 with flash and flying. When it enters the battlefield, you may return another creature you control to its owner's hand. You give us a B. I give us a C plus. Wow. Yeah, I love. I really like this card. And maybe I'm like too high on the pick up your disturbed cards. But the fact that you get to do that for free with this, I think, is really good. Um, so you get to just rebuy those creatures. Like ostensibly, the front side has traded with something or done something effective. And you've cast it as a serve and now you're rebuying it. Not only that, you just get to save your creatures from removal or from being blown out in combat um i just think like you know yes windrake is not like great stats but it doesn't take much to make windrake plus very good and i think this plus has a ton of flexibility i think that plus is c plus great <laughs> well, we're, we're not we're not budging here <laughs> I, I don't know i mean this card is fine right it just doesn't make you want to draft white i think most of those disturbed cards the best ones want you to get to their backside so like then you're not particularly interested in picking them back up unless the backside's going to die and like the odds that you have three mana up when that's going down like white doesn't really care about passing that much with mana up i don't think maybe white red i don't know this this card doesn't make me want to draft white it's a good card but just doesn't pull me into white maybe i'm too high on it but i'm a, i must i must stick with my high grade this next card yeah, I have to be able to talk you up on this. This is Odric's Outrider, three and a white for a two four human knight. Whenever it or another creature you control dies, put a plus plus one counter on target creature you control. I gave this a B. You gave this a C plus. This card is really annoying to deal with. I think. Yeah, I probably am underrating it in black white where then like your sack outlets turn things into pseudo combat tricks. But there's just not a lot of sacrifice outlets running around is the issue I have with it. Well, there's the only repeatable one, but there is like a, a handful of one-offs, which I think you'll want. But like, just imagine being in an aggressive deck and going like two drop, three drop, and then you play this. And like, what the heck is your opponent supposed to do? They like trade and then this becomes like a three, five or a four, six. This this dying triggers this too. So even if they kill this, you're getting a counter on another creature. I think this card's really good. Yeah, I'll go up to B minus. I'm not quite All a right. A budge. We got a budge. All right, moving on to blue. In the common section, we've got component collector. This is two and a blue for a one four. If it's neither day nor night, it becomes day when this enters the battlefield. 
and it has the ability whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you may tap or untap target non-land permanent. You give us a D, I give us a C minus. Again, probably like we've got a handful of these like D slash C minus differences between the two of us, and we're probably saying similar things. I just don't get this card at all. I don't know what it's doing. I don't know what deck wants it. Like, imagine if this were a zombie, then I think we're talking C minus territory. But I don't. I just don't get it. I think it's just a fine blocker, right? And then when things flip, you know, your opponent's werewolves becomes knight. You get to tap their werewolf down, and they don't get to attack that turn. I don't know. I think it just messes with things fairly well. I don't know. It's not a great card. I'm not excited about it. But it's only doing that if you're passing to their turn when it's day, right? Yes, correct. For us to be like locking down a big thing, it's only happening. That's only happening on our turn, ostensibly when the thing is already attacked or it doesn't matter because then when it goes back to their turn, it'll untap. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't like this card. I can't. This feels like very much filler to me. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I can go down to D plus D. I don't have strong feelings. That's that. That sounds like a win for me then. (laughs) You got it. Book it. (laughs) Book it, Dano. Next up in the uncommons, we've got Scob Wrangler. I must be out of my mind with this card because I don't think Alex likes it as much as I do either. This is one on the blue for a 2-1 human wizard. Tap three untapped creatures you control. Tap target creature. I gave this a B. You gave this a synergy B minus. So I guess, are we maybe saying similar things? I don't know. That feels like if you were to give it like a a non-synergy grade, you'd bump it down to like a C or something. I'd give it a C plus. Like the only deck where you're really excited about this card is blue black, right? Aren't you just excited about this in a deck that has creatures? Like blue has inherent. So the, the joke here is decayed tokens, right? Like this plus two decayed tokens. And then you just have a free tapper, which is very powerful, especially because it can do it the turn it comes into play too. The other thing, like you're just going to, you know, in white, you'll have maybe some one, one tokens floating around. Um, you know, blue has inherent decayed stuff. So obviously it's like juiced in blue black specifically, but I think this is just going to be good in any deck. I like it. I mean, I think it's a good card. I, it's pulling me into blue. I mean, <laughs> I just, it's not quite a B for me. All right. That's, that's fair. All right. So I, I, we are effectively saying the same things, I think. I think so. Yeah. Cool. Next up, we have Ominous Roost. This is two in a blue for an enchantment. When it ETBs or whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, create a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying that can only block creatures with flying. You give us a C. I give us a B minus build around grade. Yeah. I, I'm probably saying similar things, but so something that I think we were both kind of optimistic about this card last week. And then when talking to Alex about it, I do think like the support is sort of here. I mean, outside of blue white, I think this might be a secret blue white card for disturb first. Because I think outside of that, it may be hard to get enough triggers here. Well, there's also flashback running around. There's more flashback stuff than there is disturb stuff. But it's all spread out, right? Like, you know, 10 of the 24 flashback spells are all of each of the two color pairs. Right. I think this is definitely going to be at its best in blue white. Blue white, right. And then second in blue green, because that's where I think it has graveyard synergies and green has five flashback spells, which is the most of any single color. But then you're not get like, this is a thing that wants you to like grind, get like, and do stuff over time and these one one birds don't really help you in that respect and so yes they're incidental and yes you get one for free off of it i'm just worried that like that doesn't really matter like i'm happy to do a grindy late game thing and maybe if if i'm right about thinking that blue white is just you know aggro tempo or whatever and it has the support for this out of the graveyard then this will be goodish there because you get these evasive threats but i don't know I'm a little like skeptical of this. I think it'll be fairly apparent the first couple times you see it on the battlefield. Yes. And even in blue green, the fact that this could be your win condition while you turtle up and grind and do derpy things is not nothing. 
No, that's not nothing. I think that's fair. And I think that's perhaps where it's going to be at its sweetest spot. I just don't know how often that spot's going to come up. Last blue card we want to take a look at here is Firmament Sage. Three and a blue for a 2-3 human wizard at Uncommon. If it's neither day nor night, it becomes day as Firmament Sage enters the battlefield. And then whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, draw a card. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. Yeah, this card is fine, right? I think D is a little hateful towards this card. I mean, 2-3 is understated for 4 mana, but the ability is not nothing. The fact that, you know, people are going to get punished for passing the turn and flipping things back and forth, that's big game, I think, right? I mean, it's not insanely powerful, but it is not a bad card. As you stated on Twitter today, and as I think is apparent from the commons, so Blue has three commons at four mana value that I like better than this. Maybe even four if we're counting devious cover-up for loop-de-loops. But I'm thinking specifically of Organ Hoarder, which we'll talk about in our top commons, and Revenge of the Drowned, which is the Griptard variant, and Gale Drifter, which is the uh, it's a four mana for a 3-2 flyer and it has Disturb, five mana for a 2-2 flyer. All of those cards I like better than this. I think I am just like, I just can't imagine ever finding room for this in my deck when I'm supposed to be drafting blue. That's fair but this as a magic card is not a bad magic card right i think it is i think four mana for a two three is bad i think it's so the play pattern is this is going to come into play let's say nothing has happened you make it day for this to then draw you a card what's what has to happen your opponent does nothing that's unlikely passes back to you are you likely to want to do nothing no like you're gonna be doing something now maybe you have an instant or whatever but i also want to posit that like Creatures with flash and instance and counter like counterspell specifically, as excited I am as I am for devious cover up, I think in, in in the world of day and night, counterspells get bad in colors that are not red and green because you don't want to pass with nothing because you're l- unlikely to be taking advantage of that in terms of you know the power and toughness effects of the board. It's very dangerous to be facing a red or a green opponent and going, I'll pass with my draw spell or I'll pass with my counterspell because you're likely to you know, be facing some large threats on the crackback. You know, I I don't think this is a good card. That's fair, but you could also play this in a blue red or a blue green deck with some of those werewolves. And then you're getting some of the benefit from it being night. It plays really well with the instant speed four mana and put a creature on top or bottom of their library. I don't know. I don't think this is a great magic card, but D seems a little harsh to me. But I think we're kind of splitting hairs, to be honest. I don't think we are. I think you're defending the card and I'm telling you it's not playable. Like, <laughs> wow. Or, or close to not playable. I don't like I'm happy to like stop arguing about this because I think we've probably reached the end of this conversation. But, you know, I, I yeah, I, I'm I'm ready to eat my words on this, seeing it in play or whatever and going, oh, dang, that is a nice, repeatable little value engine. But my my take is that it is not. Yeah, and my take is that it is so. Onwards. Onwards we go. Um, Ecstatic Awakener is first. This is a single black 1-1 at common. It's a human wizard. And you can pay two in a black, sack another creature, draw a card, then transform Ecstatic Awakener, activate only once each turn, and it flips into a 4-4, Awoken Demon. Um, I give this yeah. a... Oh, yeah, this is a big disparity. I give this a C plus. You give this a D. I don't like this card much. What do you see here? Uh, Well, I see... a thing to do with decayed right so you get to turn your decayed token into a card this is a sack outlet once but for your black white but, but time out oh. you're not you're not turning your decayed token into a card you're then getting this to kind of be a thing draw a card sacrifice another wait what do you mean sacrifice another creature i sack my decayed token draw a card 
That turns my decayed token into yeah, and then and this then is this a four four sure, and this All is right. a four four, which is huge. I think this card's very good. It feels a little finicky to me, like a lot of setup cost here, like a lot of work to get a four four draw card. But that's a that's a good thing. Four four and draw card. I like that. I want that. That is a good thing. But like Albear was just that stapled onto a card with no hoops to jump through, and even that wasn't completely overpowered in Adventures in Forgotten Realms. And it feels like there is way more powerful stuff going on in here this feels gluey to me i also really don't like the let's compare one card in a set in a different color to another card in a different set that doesn't like that's hard for me to like comparing this to owlbear just doesn't feel like a helpful argument to me well i think this would you agree that this format is higher powered than adventures in forgotten realms i don't know i haven't played it yet i mean well, yeah certain, like you're just saying yes innistrad is going to be more powerful and synergistic than a core set sure yes i agree yeah so i i don't know this i think i'm probably a little low but c plus seems high to me yeah i don't know maybe it's just a c i think this is a very good card and it's gonna do a lot in the format all right we'll have to check it out next up we've got novice occultist this is one in a black for a one two i think we're sensing a theme here when novice <laughs> occultist dies you draw a card and you lose one life uh, you give us a c minus i gave us a d yeah well, this is my dream curve ecstatic awakener one novice occultist two turn three Sack Occultist, draw two cards. Now I have a 4-4 four, four in play. Boom. Right, boom. Wombo Combo unlocked. But like, is that that good to play multiple copies of these cards? I mean, both of them are black-white cards almost exclusively. Would you agree with that? No, I think these are also good in blue-black. I don't know. Like, I think Occultist is probably at its best in black-white. I think Ecstatic Awakener is just going to be good in any black deck. This, like, there is, you know, what do we say? A quarter of the cards are common or uncommon have toughness one. So this, you know, trades with a lot. I also think something we haven't talked about yet is the importance of having one or two mana plays in this format to not let the werewolf players snowball like you really don't want to let your werewolf player and there's not a ton of them but play a two mana werewolf on two and then you don't have anything on two on the draw and then you just basically lose so i do think this gets a bump potentially for that i don't know i'm, I'm probably too high on this like trinkety value thing but i definitely think this feels like, you know, to, to go to the R's, this feels like a role player to me rather than replaceable. Yeah, I just think it doing it on death is not great because like the times that you play this and your opponent's not pressuring you and you don't find your sack outlet or whatever, it's a really bad magic card, right? But there's just like so much in, I don't know, I feel like there's inherent synergies within black for this, like the Awakener, which I guess if you don't like Awakener, then I can see why you don't like this. But like Eaten Alive is the sack removal spell that's good with this you know maybe you're playing blade brand to can't i don't know like there's a lot of things i think within this color and not to mention just synergies outside of it that i think make this feel i mean it's, i don't love it it's i gave it a c minus but i do think it's yeah all right yeah you're okay you talked me up c minus all right next one is defenestrate this is tuna black for the instant destroy target creature without flying you give us a b i give us a c plus I think this card is going to miss some things that you really want to kill. So here's here's my take for this card. I think we have Eaten Alive, which is the, the black, you know, sacrifice a creature as an alternate casting cost, and then you exile target creature or planeswalker, or you can pay three and a black, so three black black to do the same thing without sacking a creature. And then we also have Olivia's Midnight Ambush, which is the minus two, minus two, or minus 13, minus 13 if it's night. All three of those cards are premium removal spells. 
But just the fact that all three of those are Black's three best commons means there's got to be diminishing returns, right? You can't just be picking removal, removal, removal. And so I think one of them has to lose out. And I think the one that loses out is Defenestrate. I think the other two are enough better that this becomes a little more replaceable. Almost what you were arguing with the blue four drop that we just talked about. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. My feeling, and I, I could be totally wrong, and perhaps it feels like a little, I don't know, like I'm contradicting myself by saying this, like giving my defense of novice occultist just now. But I feel like eaten alive being sorcery speed and needing fodder for it to be truly powerful, right? To get that like tempo play of one mana, I think makes that feel like I'm happy with, you know, one of those in a deck. Whereas I do feel like Defenestrate, right? Yeah, it's going to miss on flyers, but three mana instant, no setup, I feel like is a little bit more appealing to me. But like I said, I have no idea where I think it sounds like we're both in agreement that Olivia's Midnight Ambush is the best of the three and then are differentiating uh, on the other two. Yep, I agree. Moving on to the uncommons, we've got Blood Tithe Collector. This is four and a black for a three-fourth flying. When it ETBs, if an opponent lost life this turn, each opponent discards a card. You give us a C minus, I give us a B minus. I really like this card. I think five mana three-four flyer is just solid stats. And then, you know, some percentage of the time, especially if you're putting this in red black, where you should theoretically be able to trigger this fairly consistently, like three-four flyer opponent discards a card is nothing to sneeze at. I, I kind of want to sneeze at it. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, I'm a, maybe I'm underrating it i like we saw this last week with me sort of feeling like the dragon wasn't that good but i sort of came around to all right it's four power or whatever that seems good these like five mana three power flyers it feels like a little smallish potatoes what kills this there's not good removal that kills this the red removal doesn't kill it the green fight spells terrible right you need the black removal spells that are not defenestrate to kill this uh the, well so hold on so it's red has the five mana spell at common that does but that kill one's this. not the good one right it's not good, but you're saying nothing. What kills this? Like there is you, <laughs> All right, you sure, are that was hyperbolic. You are evenly trading on mana with the red removal spell to kill this. All right, point taken. <laughs> like the green creatures are gonna be bigger than this. So like your fight or your bite spell will kill this. Like this is not impossible to kill. I and again, like I using the we're not we haven't talked about either of these cards yet, but I like both of the common black five drops better than this. The one that the five mana three, four that makes two decayed zombies. Oh, yeah. Grave Titan at common seems great. Right. Eight plus exile two cards from a graveyard. So just nerf, <laughs> like kill the flashback. <laughs> that card is so ridiculous. Thank you. I agree. And then also Morkrut Behemoth, I think, is good, too, as as just the five mana, seven, six menace that either you pay one and a black more for it or sack a creature. I, I feel like I like both of those as threats better than the Blood Tithe Collector. I don't so that must be where our grading difference comes from yeah well we'll have to see i like i feel like i'm maybe i'm over adjusting my um evaluation of these five mana you know three power or three toughness flyers um so we'll have to see how this shakes out and maybe i can better bring my evaluations to bear in future sets on those cards moving on to red at common we've got immolation this is red for an enchantment enchanted creature gets plus two minus two you gave us a c plus i gave us a c you gave us a c minus sir i gave us a c minus excuse me <laughs> yeah i that's crazy to me this kills like this kill half the stuff for one mana Half the stuff, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'm punishing it for not being a spell because I really want it to be a spell for the blue-red deck, but it probably still just is a good card. I'll come up to C, C+. Yeah, you gave Play With Fire B-, minus, which is the red instant deal two. And like, yes, that's definitely better than this, but I don't think it's a whole letter grade better. Yeah, you're right. C+. But that's it. That's the only red card we're going to disagree about. Crazy. Red's looking pretty medium at common and pretty darn good at uncommon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Moving on to green. First up, we've got 
I must be, I must be off on this card. Harvest Tide Sentry. One and a green for a 3-1 human warrior with Coven at the beginning of combat on your turn. If you control three or more creatures with different powers, it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less this turn. I gave this a C minus. You gave this a C plus. I really like this card. I think it does everything you want to do in a green aggressive card. I think this is going to be a house in green white. So sometimes it's going to get a crack in for three early because your opponent's not going to have a creature. By the time they do get a card that blanks it or makes it awkward, that's about the time you're going to be getting Coven online, hopefully. Like imagine going one drop, two drop, three drop, which is what the Coven deck's going to be trying to do, right? Ideally. Mm -hmm. So like if you're curving out with this on the turn it attacks, it's reasonable for you to have Coven. I think that's not crazy. And then when you do have Coven, this is trading with a definitely relevant card. So your two drop trading up on mana seems great to me. I really like Harvest Tide Sentry. Yeah, maybe I'm, I must be too low on this. I was sort of thinking like green has a number of two drops and I didn't feel like any of them was like definitely better than the other ones. But I guess this really is, is quite good. The scenario you're describing doesn't seem that hard to set up and I think is good. So I, I, I'll come up to C plus with you. Got him. Moving on to the uncommons. We've got Death Bonnet Sprout. This is going to be an interesting one to talk about. You gave us a B minus. I gave us a C. It's single green for a 1-1 fungus at the beginning of your upkeep. Mill a card. Then if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, transform Death Bonnet Sprout into Death Bonnet Hulk, which is a 3-3 fungus horror. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile a card from a graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, put a plus one plus one counter on Death Bonnet Hulk. Yeah, I gave this a B minus. You gave this a C. I think there's not a lot of ways to incidentally mill yourself. And so I think this gets a bump for that, being able to do it. Um, that's especially going to be valuable in blue-green. Um, I think black-green also wants some to interact with the graveyard uh, quite a bit. This probably doesn't matter that much in green-red. I think even green-white is interested in a one-mana one-one just to get the coven train rolling sometimes. And maybe this isn't the best of the bunch. But the fact that this has applications, sometimes it's not like bad late game in those decks either because probably it's going to flip in your next upkeep to a 3-3 and that's good. I think that the ceiling of it being like super strong probably at its best in blue-green, which is I'm no one is shocked that that's a deck I'm excited about. I just think then it being good in other decks just makes it a, a really strong little guy. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I was punishing this card for feeling like it was at odds with itself to me because like mm. to me, if I want to put things in my graveyard, I want to use those things to cast them or whatever. And like I wasn't super interested in eating them, but you don't have to eat them, right? It's a may so you can just use it as the thing and then you get a one mana three three. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this card is just good. I'll join you at B minus. Nice. I'm interested to talk about this next card, which is Dawnheart Mentor. Two and a green for an 0-4 human warlock at Uncommon. When it ETBs, you make a 1-1 white human creature token. So that's two of your three coven bodies. And then it has coven five and a green. Target creature you control gets plus three, plus three, and gains trample until end of turn. Activate only if you control three or more creatures with different powers. I gave this a B. You gave this a C plus. I think this is good in a lot of green decks for other similar reasons, right? Obviously, good in coven, I think as it provides two of the three bodies, also two powers that are going to be hard to come by in zero and one. I think this activated ability is really hard to interact with in combat. It's a mana sink for like flipping tonight while still affecting the board. It's like two bodies as to turtle up if you're doing the blue green thing. I don't know. I, I like this card. My thought for this was like, I see all those same things that you see in it. My thought was that it doesn't do enough like it that doesn't seem worth a card to me i don't think i'm willing to spend a card to get two-thirds of coven on a card that's not aggressive itself like green white looks really aggressive to me 
And an 04 and a 11 that I'm probably going to be wanting to hold back on defense to not trade, that feels like there's some weird tension there and then the activated ability is really expensive i I don't like this card very much yeah maybe it's maybe i'm overrating the threat of activation on this card but i'm seeing you not actually activate this all that much but it just being miserable for your opponent to engage in combat when you have this ability available to you i could certainly see that but i think you're also hoping for the game to be over by that point right there are so many color pairs that do so many more powerful things in the late game than what this is doing right yeah maybe the, i'm like i don't know maybe this is not good enough but this seems synergistic enough with enough stuff that i like it i think it's either gonna be very good or not very good and again that'll be apparent playing with it pretty quickly right yeah last one here in green we've got burly breaker you gave us a b minus i gave us a c this is three green green for six five with ward one and daybound on the backside eight seven ward three nightbound you're just mad that this doesn't gain like three life when it comes into play <laughs> no this card is a derpy body that is going to get chump blocked into oblivion card is swole and large and in charge and you're gonna have a hard time <laughs> facing get, this down get out of your, here your, your, your argument about what kills the three four flyer what kills this this thing is tough to deal with i guess but it's so clunky right this does not make me want to play green like i could go up to c plus but this looks like the definition of large green beefer that is going to get chump blocked to eternity is there a lot of chump block fodder in the format yes there's like the all the white cards with disturb that you want to die and then turn into flyers like this is going to get embarrassed by cards with disturb so then my guess is my question is do you think that the werewolves just aren't that good because i think that's what most of them are are just big beefers i think the cheaper ones are better than this one like this card to me is colossipede like that's what it looks what are like the, to me what are the cheap ones there's like you know obviously whatever we didn't talk about this hound tamer is insane and uncommon we'll talk about that when we talk about our top uncommons i think but like i, I don't know there there aren't like they're all just big dumb creatures i i don't love werewolves as a mechanic i didn't the last time around either particularly I, they have to be good it's in a, it's like midnight hunt it's the werewolf set how could they be bad <laughs> like, they're gonna be good i think i don't know i think Meh, we'll see. We'll see if Burly Breaker ends up just being big, dumb werewolf. I think it's fine. Like, you're going to play it in your werewolf deck, but that card does not make me want to play green. Will I put it in my deck as a large beefer? Probably. Will it attack? Probably. But you don't think it's dealing any damage to your opponent ever? I mean, it will, but I just, it just doesn't seem like that powerful of a magic card to me. Like, think about something like Challenger Troll, like the 6-5 with the weird block thing from War of the Spark. Like, mm-hmm. those cards just aren't that good, right? I don't know. Challenger Troll is kind of hard to deal with. <laughs> like, <laughs> green wasn't very good in that set, and I also don't know how like green's commons don't look that good to me as we'll talk about in just a second but yeah if burly breaker isn't good it feels like that means werewolves isn't that good because i don't i think they're all kind of similar to that like some of them have keywords or whatever like there's a trample one at common but i think ways to give your werewolves trample and the the red green gold uncommons do do that a little bit Mm -hmm. i think that's going to be pretty big let's talk about those red green uncommons because we had some differences in grades there as well first up is kessig naturalist It's red green for a human werewolf. When it attacks, add red or green. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. That's its day bound side. It's night bound side has that same when it attacks, add red or green, and you don't lose that mana. But it also has other wolves and werewolves you control get plus one, plus one. I gave this a B plus. You gave this a B minus. 
Um, my feeling about this card is it has like real Magda or Captain Lannery Storm vibes for me. And is also like, so like a two mana werewolf, I think especially can be punishing in that respect. And the fact that it's a Lord for what I assume is a very well supported tribe and good tribe in the set uh, that all adds up to a card that makes me excited yeah it pulls me into red green i don't think it pulls me in quite that much but i mean i like it right and next we've got unnatural moonrise i think this is going to be a big one this is red green for a sorcery it becomes night until end of turn target creature gets plus one plus zero and gains trample and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player draw a card and this has flashback to red green i think this reads like deal a boatload of damage to your opponent draw a card which seems excellent to me and you're gonna do that twice yeah yeah i give it a conservative c i was just a little nervous about casting us into open mana that makes me a little nervous i don't know i guess so but i mean so i give this a b minus you give us a c like i don't think it's possible for you to be excited about burly breaker and not love unnatural moonrise those two things are very uh, cognitively dissonant to me well right because well they shouldn't be cognitively dissonant like i'm just not I don't feel like the body without trample is bad in this format. I didn't, I don't see a lot of like chump fodder when I look through. Okay, that's the, fair. The that spoiler. So like, it doesn't seem like you need the trample, but if you do, if you're, if you're right, then I get why a natural moonrise has to be not so. Sure. That makes sense. And you know, I think even more than one of us being right or wrong here, it's really important to note that like we have different grades and the, the rationale behind our grades sort of checks out in that respect, right? I don't like yes. Burly Breaker because I want it to have Trample, and that's why I'm valuing Unnatural Moonrise to give cards like that Trample, and you see the bodies as relevant on your own, which is why you're not valuing Unnatural Moonrise as high. But like the whether one of us is right or wrong, the fact that we're both thinking about these things and we'll continue to, like as we play the games, evaluate whether we were right or wrong is the much more important part of the discussion. We're very ta- I feel like we were getting heated. You brought us back down to earth here, Ben, and I appreciate that. This is definitely, I think, one of the most non-budging conversations <laughs> we've had in a set review so far yeah for sure all right well let's get to my favorite part and we're, we're gonna see more differences here which is talking about our top three commons in each color and our top two uncommons for each color uh what do you got going on in white in the number three slot i've got gavany trapper white for an o2 with two tap tap target creature yeah, that didn't make my my top comments because I, I have our contentious card here. But in my number three slot, I've got Candle Grove Witch, a.k.a. Gustwalker. Am I right? This is a one on a white for a 2-2 with Coven. At the beginning of combat on your turn, it gains flying until end of turn if you meet the Coven requirements. Yeah, that's actually my number two. I really like Candle Grove Witch. I think that's yeah, going to be premium card in the white aggressive decks. I got Homestead Courage there. In my number two slot, single white for a sorcery, put a plus and plus one counter on a creature you control that gains vigilance until end of turn and flashback for single white. I could definitely see you being right about that. I could definitely see you being right. We'll see. And then in the number one slot, I assume we have the same card. This is Gavany Silversmith. It's three and a white for a two, three. When it ETBs, you put a plus and plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. Card is a house. Yeah, this is so good. So it's like Basri's Acolyte doesn't have lifelink, but you can put the counter on itself, which is really good, I think. This just like Windmill Slam enables Coven, probably. This card's insane. Yeah, I think it's very, very strong. In the uncommon slot, I've got Borrowed Time at number two. This is two and white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Borrowed Time leaves the battlefield. That's actually my number one, and I think we've flip-flopped here. In my number two, I've got Gavany Dawnguard. That's the one white, white, three, three, ward one. 
Um, if it's neither day nor night, when ETBs, it makes it day. And then whenever that flips back and forth, you look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal a creature card with converter mana cost three or less from among them and put it in your hand. The rest go on the bottom of your library in any order. Yeah, that card seems absolutely busted. That is like the premium payoff for the like, I think, flip back and forth matters stuff. Um, I'm very excited about that card. And that is my number one uncommon. Moving on to the blue commons. In the number three slot, I've got Revenge of the Drowned. That's three and a blue for the instant. Target creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. You create a 2-2 zombie token with decayed. Yeah, that is my number three as well. I had a hard time figuring out my number two. I put Bait Hook Angler here. This is one on a blue for a 2-1 human peasant with Disturb. And it flips into a 1-2 with Flying for one on a blue. I just put this as a nod to like you're gonna need two drops and then this i like this as a two drop but i i had a tough time here it's very good i left that one off my list that would probably be my next one in in my number two slot i've got organ hoarder this is three and a blue for a three two when etbs look at the top three cards of your library put one of them in your hand and the rest into your graveyard yeah that's my number one i am obsessed with that card it's really good my number one is actually Falcon Abomination. It's two and a blue for a 2-2 with flying. Whenever it enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed. Yeah, I left that off, but I like it. I like where your head's at. It's two bodies, gets a decayed token, two zombies. Well, and it's not a 2-2 flyer and a 2-2 creature, right? It's not that. But if you think about it in the energy framework, yeah. like a 2-2 flyer make two energy is awesome, right? Or a 2-2 yes. flyer, like make a game piece that you get to do sweet things with is a very good card. And I think it's close with Organ Hoarder. I think the reason I gave Organ Hoarder the, the number two slot is just literally three mana versus four mana and how many good four drops I see running around. I just think it's going to be super clogged in the four drop slot if you're not careful. Yeah, I think that's totally true. Looking at the uncommons, I've got my little tapper at number two in blue. This is Scob Wrangler, one on a blue, two one. Tap three on tapped creatures you control to tap target creature. That didn't make my list, but I could definitely see it for sure. That was one of the ones I was considering. I... I went for the greedy things with a six drop uh, <laughs> phantom carriage four blue blue for a four four flyer when ETB search your library for a card with flashback or disturb and put it into your graveyard then shuffle well you got to represent one of our lol preview cards in our top uncommons right heck yeah uh, I have covetous castaway as my number one this is one in a blue for a one three human when it dies mill three cards and it has a disturb cost of three blue blue for a three four flyer when it ETBs you may shuffle up to three target cards from your graveyard into your library okay so do you actually think that's the best or are you just the most excited to play with that card <laughs> I mean, I think column A, column B, but I really think this card is strong. Two mana, one, three, self mill when it dies, and then five mana for a three, four flyer with that other text. Like, you don't have to shuffle. But like like I said, I think incidental mill is tough-ish to come by, as it seems. And this feels very strong to me on both sides. Yeah, I think it's good. We have all different blue uncommons, which is crazy. And yeah. I think they're all very good. My number one is Overwhelmed Archivist. It's two and a blue for a 3-2 when ETBs you draw a card, discard a card, and then has Disturb for three and a blue. On the backside, you get Archive Haunt, 2-1 flying. Whenever it attacks, you draw a card, then discard a card. Card's great, too. Like I said, it's very hard for me to grade any of these Disturb cards like lower than a C+. They all seem like two-for-ones for me. Yep. Black's up next, and we've already sort of buried the lead here. We've talked about the three removal spells. I think it's pretty clear what my order is. I have Midnight Ambush number one. That's the minus two, minus two, or minus 13, minus 13. Then I have Defenestrate number two and Eaten Alive number three. Yeah, I'm flip-flopped Eaten Alive and Defenestrate. I think Eaten Alive as the flexibility of single black or three and a black depending on whether you want to sack a creature or pay the extra mana is better than the drawback of you know destroying a creature with flying i also think there's something to be said for you know just what you're talking about with disturb being straight up two for ones like that maybe removal is not going to be quite as effective as normal and eaten alive exiling 
is going to be super relevant. Yeah, that's that's a very, very relevant point, too. I hadn't considered that. Uh, looking at the uncommons, I'm taking a stand here with Heirloom Mirror at number two. That's the very complicated black artifact. You know, to tap, pay a life, discard a card to draw a card mill, do it three times, and then you get that 4-4 four, four flyer. Yeah, card's good. I have Ghoulish Procession in the number two slot. I'm pretty excited about this card. It's so interesting, and I think it might just actually be broken. It's one and a black for an enchantment. Whenever one or more non-token creatures die, you create a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token with decayed like whenever a creature dies it's any yours the opponents whatever like potentially you could attack they block you trade you get one on your turn maybe you use an instant speed removal spell on their turn i think it is not crazy to think about this churning out you know five six seven zombie tokens over the course of the game if it comes down on turn two and i think that's very good well and if again i think i love the energy comparison and if you think about it like era of innovation or like a decoction module or whatever it's very exciting. And I do think you can use those decayed tokens for so many things. I'm equally excited about that card and would be happy if it were one of the, the top uncommons in black. And then I assume we have the same one. This is probably just the best uncommon in the set. Infernal Grasp, one on a black instant. Destroy target creature, you lose two life. Yeah, it's very good for sure. Red was really hard for me to find a third. I, I gave a nod to what is probably not what belongs there, but it's hard for me to like put two four drops in here or whatever. So I put Lamholt Harrier as one in a red 2-2 two, two wolf, pay three in a red target creature can't block this turn, like probably good in red green, probably good in red black. But I don't know, I, it was this was hard for me. I, I don't feel strongly about this one. Uh, that's my number three as well. I agree, red's commons were pretty lacking. Uh, my number two slot, I've got Famished Foragers. This is three red for the four three when ETBs of an opponent lost lifeless turn, you add red, red, red. And then that lines up nicely with its ability to pay two and a red, discard a card to draw a card. I just think this card's strong and is going to potentially lead to some explosive starts for red, black. Yeah, my feeling was the reason I didn't put that in my top three, if you can believe it, and it probably just belongs on there over the Lamhole Terrier is I was just worried that do other color pairs want that? But they probably do. Like red, white's going to be aggressive. Red, green's going to be aggressive, but probably have a lot of, there's just a lot of competition at four mana. I agree. It's really hard. Speaking of, I have an, a four mana card on my, uh, in my number two slot, which is Ardent Elementalist, three and a red, two, one. My ETB is return an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, that card's very good as well. And it's funny, and I posted to Twitter, there's, there's this, there's the two, one that does that. And there's also a two, five werewolf that flips into a super large monster. And all three of those seem pretty powerful to me and you know i was getting poo-pooed a little bit because people were saying well they just all slot into different decks which is kind of true but i think they're also red's best commons which is awkward and i think you can make a case for them going outside where they like obviously slot like the two one you know slots really nicely into blue red right because you're rebuying your instance and sorceries and the famished foragers slots into red black but i think you can make cases where they go in other decks and you just can't play eight four drops or whatever and if all of red's power at common is in the four drop slot there's a little bit of tension there and maybe maybe i just have the wrong read on them being as good as they are well it has a similar thing going on in the two drop slot and we haven't really talked about this but this came up a lot for me in the set review with Alex was like, I did feel like there were a ton of secret gold cards in this format. So like, you know, we just sort of mentioned those four drops, but red also has that same thing going on in the two drop slot. So it's got the Lamhole Terrier, which is like, okay, this goes in werewolves. It's got the two mana two one in red 
that when it attacks, it's a vampire. And when it attacks, you deal a damage to an opponent. So that's like triggering all your damage matters stuff. And then it's got the two mana one, three, that whenever you cast an instant or sorcery gets plus two plus oh. So it's very clearly like this goes into this deck, this goes into this deck, and this goes into this other deck. And then red, white is sort of left to fend for itself, I guess. But <laughs> it did feel that way to me a lot. And so I don't know if that's going to shake out is as like, you know, you carve out your lane or you figure out your lane and then you get that specific two drop or four drop or if it's something a little different. Yeah. And in the number one slot, we've got to have the same card. This is far and away the best red common. We've got Moon Ragers Slash. This is two in a red for the deal three damage. And then if it's night, it only costs one. Correct. Uh, moving on to the uncommons, I have Fangblade Brigand as my number two. This is three in a red for the three, four human werewolf. One in a red gives it plus one, plus oh, and first strike until end of turn. That's day bound side. The night bound side, it's a four, five with that same ability, plus another ability, four in a red, creatures you control get plus two, plus oh, until end of turn. That is my number two as well. That card is busted. My number one is Cathartic Pyre. It's one in a red instant. Choose one, deal three to a creature or planeswalker, or you can Faithless Looting, discard two cards, draw two cards. That is almost certainly the correct answer, but I just love this card so much. Seize the storm. <laughs> this is four and a red for a sorcery. Create a red elemental creature token with trample and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard, plus the number of cards with flashback. You own an exile and it has flashback for six and a red. Yeah, my heart says that card. My head says cathartic pyre. Yeah, cathartic pyre, super efficient removal. Seize the storm, incredibly powerful. I think the key will be is it just a blue red card? Like, obviously, it doesn't go into red green, but like maybe you maybe this is a good splash in like some blue green or black green decks. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Green was another toughie for me. Like, <laughs> clear number one, I think. I, I went for Timberland Guide, and I was nervous that you were going to yell at me about this because. You always tell me I overrate these effects. So this is the one in a green one, one human scout. When it ETBs, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Just a good little two drop. Sprinkle those counters around to enable coven. I think this this might be a good, good little creature. Yeah, the Timberland guide is actually my number two common. In my number three slot, I've got Harvest Tide Sentry. It's one in a green for the three one with coven at the beginning of combat on your turn. If you control three or more creatures with different powers, it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less this turn. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my number two slot. I had a different card there, but you talked me up enough on the century uh, a couple minutes ago that I'm going to put that as my number two common. And then in the number one slot, Value Train Eccentric Farmer. I'm so glad that you and Alex and I all love this card because it means I'm not crazy. Is there another opinion that this card is not excellent? I don't know. I mean, it looks so derpy, I feel like. But again, like, is this just good? Or is this just an insane card for the blue-green deck? So this is two and a green, two, three. When he ETBs mill three, then you may return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Like, this is so strong, very likely to just hit on its own and then tack on it, milling any flashback stuff or or disturb stuff or whatever. Like, this card's very good, but what, you know, does green-white want this? Does red-green werewolves want this? I don't know. This card's great, right? I mean, in a dedicated aggro deck, you're not going to be as excited about this card, but in any deck that is not, you know, all-out aggro, this is a fantastic Magic the Gathering card. Yeah, I love it. All right, moving on to the green uncommons. In the number two slot, I've got Hound Tamer. Two and a green for the three, three human werewolf of Trample. You can pay three and a green to put a plus and plus one counter on target creature, and it has Daybound. Backside, it flips into Untamed Pup. Four, four Trample gives other wolves and werewolves you control Trample, and you can pay three and a green to put a plus and plus one counter on target creature. That card is extremely efficient and extremely scary. Yeah, that card is wildly good. It might even be just number one, but I, I was a you know a coward and I put a removal spell in the number one slot. I put clear shot to an green instant target creature you control gets plus one plus one until end of turn and then deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. 
Yeah, clear shot's great, and it's going to trigger some coven sometimes, like at instant speed. It's so good. Yeah, for sure. Though triggering coven at instant speed isn't really relevant, right? All the coven stuff happens at the beginning of combat. Sure, it's still great. It's still great. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> arguing with you, but you can still just. But it can help you do that. You know, pre-combat, you kill a thing, and then boom get your yeah. whatever plus one plus oh to your team etc well ben I, this has to be one of the longest crash courses i think we've done there's a lot to talk about here in this format any i don't know any big picture things you want to talk about here before we wrap things up i don't think so i am beyond excited this format looks very deep and very sweet to me yeah i am excited as well i, I like my I, last week i was saying fingers crossed for blue green and i think the previews since then really delivered i think that deck looks awesome well supported and i'm excited to draft it well that and that there's good aggro decks too it just yes. looks it looks it looks like there's gonna be a lot going on and i'm excited to figure it all out yeah for sure all right thank you as always to salter pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen yes thank you to channelfireball.com for sponsoring this podcast if you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. And welcome to the minist- the, the Ministrad. <laughs> Starting off great. <laughs> <laughs>